Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. I honestly didn't know what to expect from my chat with Jake Johnson. Of course, I knew him as a comic and an actor, best known for his work on TV shows like The New Girl, not The New Girl, New Girl, and recently canceled Minx, which is just a bummer because that show was so much fun. I fully support nudity on television. Anyway, he's also been in films like Jurassic World and Safety Not Guaranteed, but I didn't know him personally, which is weird because I feel like I have a lot of, you know, chill relationships with comics as a comic in in Los Angeles here, but I never met Jake, which is why I was so surprised at how quickly we found our groove when I spoke with him about his new film, Self-Reliance, which you can watch right now on Hulu. What makes Self-Reliance so unique is that Jake not only starred as in it, but he also directed and wrote it. It's about a man who somehow is given an opportunity to participate in a wild reality show that ends in life or death. It's that crazy. That's how high the stakes are. But over the course of the film and of him trying to like survive, he discovers a little bit about himself, which we love to see. Where the idea came from for the film is even more wild and kind of poignant, and the pandemic is involved in that in that process as well, because it turns out that Jake is also as obsessed with reality television as much as I am. That was another thing I learned about our conversation, but he, he understands a world of reality TV that is more wild than, than I even go. I mean, I stick to the housewives variety of reality television, but Jake, Jake was like doing deep dives into Japanese reality TV. That's how wild he was getting. We talk about that and his wildly popular podcast. We're here to help. And we also talked a little bit about Minx. Now we spoke about Minx before Minx had been canceled, but my question still stands, um, which I think you'll, you'll enjoy this conversation with Jake was so much fun i'm still so surprised at how much i enjoyed it and i you just need to prepare yourself to laugh probably a little bit but also for an absurd next probably 30 minutes i really do hope you're going to enjoy it so let's get to it go on and grab a snack because i'll be right back with jake johnson across america bp supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. So I assume you are also a podcast man. I have way too many. <laughs> <laughs> to the point, literally this morning, this morning, I was posting for... Another podcast that I do, yeah, not yeah, Parting yeah. Shot, which, you know, people can listen of to. Of course. And I was like, oh, God, I have this one and I have this one. People must hate me. Yeah, well, it's really hard because, you know, I'm obviously, I, you know, I also just jumped into the podcast world. Yeah. 
I have a question uh, about that. Don't worry. I, I love it. But it is funny because when you're not in the world, it's so foreign. Like during the whole pandemic, I wasn't in it. So when, yeah. you know, I did the Kelly Ripa TV show uh-huh. in this same closet before it was set up. <laughs> my audio was bad. My Zoom was weird. And yeah. then slowly when you start doing it, they're so fun. Yeah. I started in stand up. And for, for me, I often hated getting up on stage, but I love performing stand up. You know what I mean? I, I, I do. I know exactly what you mean. And made. podcasting has been a nice sort of way to yes. work material. Dude, yeah. So I did uh, for years, I did a two person show yeah. where we traveled around, we wrote comedy and we performed in little theaters. Mm-hmm. And then Hollywood started. And once I started booking commercials, there was a whole other game. Mm-hmm. It's so fun doing an episode like we had just had eduardo franco on because we're doing self-reliance for right now so cast members are all coming in sandberg came in eduardo jeff cober you know mary holland everybody you produce a little 30 minute show yeah you do the bit you know the callers in yep you edit it down our producer kevin like sends things in we make our cuts Mm -hmm. you release it and that's it it feels like i'm 24 years old again (laughs) i was like there's no big corporations there's no huge push but the numbers are spectacular yeah no it's amazing i'm like it's a wild world yeah it's great it's been a it's been nice i mean you know i hope i hope it continues to be sort of in that direction because it's been a nice relief but I do need to ask you about your movie because that okay, is great. I, me too. I would love to talk sure about it. That is, that is what Hollywood wants us to talk about too. We could talk about podcasting all day. But. <laughs> well, I got, I got to tell you what, as a manic weirdo, I could talk about it all because I love them all. <laughs> well, it was a great film. It, Thank you. It made me, um, it was funny. It also made me uncomfortable. The whole premise of it made me very uncomfortable about the state of the world and where we're at and where people are at in society. But where did the idea come from? The the idea first came from, it came to me years ago from Japanese reality shows. So Japanese reality shows were way more pushing the the line before we were. Mm -hmm. You know, they were doing stuff that was very uncomfortable, yet very funny. Like there was one where they put a comedian in an apartment. They took away all his clothes. He had no idea what he was getting into. He was stripped naked. And then there was no food and there was nothing in the apartment. And at first he was being really funny and goofy and the audience was laughing, but then he got hungry and he realized that the only way he could eat is if he won from like a, you know, a magazine or a call in radio show, if he won food. Oh God. And so as he was panicking and starving and freaking out, the audience was laughing and having fun. And that kind of turn, you know, I feel like we're getting there in our culture more and more. Things yes. like Squid Games, when that came out, I'd already been deep into my movie. Yeah. But when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. We are pushing closer and closer into a reality where you go like, 10 people move in a house. The winner gets $100 million, Yeah. One dies. Yeah. And there's going to be some streamer now that there's not like regulation that's going to try it. And everybody's going to tune in. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I felt that was coming years ago. And I was like, what's really sick is I can't judge it because fucking I will tune in. Yeah, of course. And I'm like, I'm the problem. It kind of reminds me as you're talking about this again. I mean, just just as a gay, I feel like the gays always are a little bit ahead of the straights. And (laughs) years ago, there was a reality show that it was so dumb and it was so dark and it was so kind of twisted where there was a bunch of gay dudes in a house and one dude was straight. And the whole premise was, and the whole premise was you had to like figure out 
which one was straight. Yeah. And then I forget the premise, but it just felt so like, why do we do this to each other? Yes. And so wrong. Yeah. And so Uh, wrong. But but setting up. So I got really into the MTV show, The Challenge, especially Mm, when it was first forming. And part of what I loved about it is it was very clear that these guys were doing cocaine. And it was very clear that right off camera, you could tell throughout the season they were getting skinnier Mm -hmm. and stronger and more belligerent. So you would always see at night, I'm like, so production gives them free alcohol. Yeah. They get their fucking shitty, crafty food that everybody's sick of. Mm -hmm. They're ripping through steroids. They're ripping through cocaine and they're ripping through alcohol. Yeah. They're putting dynamite together and they're lighting fire. It's going to explode. Yeah. And then when it would explode, they would go like, okay, now you got to leave. And I'm like, you're setting up situations for people to react. Mm -hmm. And as a viewer, I really liked it and I like it. Yeah. And so, um, and when I want to write, like. it's a guilty like, in a way. it's a guilty like, it's yeah. the kind of like that I watch and very rarely would tell people. And then very slowly, somebody else would admit that they liked something too. And they become your best and friend. I, yes. And I would go like, what am I watching? Like whatever HBO is telling me is like <laughs> prestige TV is where I'm at. Yeah. And deep down, I'd be like, I don't know all the character names, but I know every character name for this show where there's nine gay guys and there's one yes. straight guy faking it. <laughs> And I got to tell you, Larry's going to get revealed. He's a piece of garbage. <laughs> That's a straight dude. <laughs> He's, I said this as a straight. I hate his ass. You see how he crosses his legs? Straight. <laughs> and I'm watching alone as one of the gays then going like, I hate this son of a bitch. I hate him. He's not one of us. And when I wanted to, honestly, you know, I'd written so many projects. I came up as a writer. I, I've always thought. I never thought of this business as doing one thing. So when we talk podcasts at the beginning, Mm -hmm. the bit of that of saying there's a lot of things is the idea of just being an actor has never been an interest. It's kind of all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the pandemic, I thought it was all going away. I had talked to an executive at Apple. I had a pilot there who said, there's a chance the whole business model is going to change this was pre vaccines Mm -hmm. and everything was going to be, everyone does singles actors do their own cover. Like, yeah. A crew comes out with two people. They film your single and do it in post. Mm-hmm. And the true story is, is I got off this call. I was with my wife, my kids, and I went in the other room and I cried because I thought I'm not doing that. Yeah, That's not the kind of actor I am. I don't care about acting that much. I don't care about stories that much to like sit alone with like a camera on sticks. Yeah. And then in post-production, they finish it. And so I, I always like to put a couple hours at least of work in a day or at least to feel productive. Mm-hmm. And so I started rewriting this old idea of self-reliance during that period mm-hmm. of the, if the business is gone and the dream is over, this was the movie I wanted to make. Oh, that's nice. And because most of the stuff I'd done in the past were stuff that I knew were going to, you know, honestly do a little bit better with like reviews. Yeah. You know, like clearer tones, nice love story, bigger arcs, Mm -hmm. easier to go like pretty good movie, easier for people to go like, I liked it. We can make a little bit of money on it. That means we get to make the next one. Yeah. Self-reliance by nature is a wild movie. Every 15 minutes, the tone is different. It's weird, but it's fun. It's weird. It's weird. It's fun. I recommend if you're a stoner, smoke before. Uh, if you're a drinker, have a drink before I did it's a, yeah, but it's meant like, I want people 
to watch this with the spirit of fun. I want to make an announcement right now. I appreciate the Academy calling me and telling me it will be nominated for the best picture, but I'm pulling my my name and the film out of consideration. <laughs> so we're doing breaking news. First of all, I want to say thank you to the Academy. Thank you. Thank you. For all their emails off the record. This is where the business really works. You think they email, they fax still. <laughs> but yeah, so I want to thank the Academy for their faxes, but yeah. I am officially, as of right now, Pulling self-reliance out of the best picture, as well as for any critic that has anything negative to say, I want to say thank you yeah. because they all told me it was going to be 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, get all the awards, and I just don't think that's what this movie is. I think this movie is a fun ride, meant to kick yeah. back and enjoy. So I am taking control of the narrative, but I do want to say thank you to the Academy. But this, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't want best actor. Give it to some kid, some yeah. kid like give it to Joaquin. Let that kid have a chance. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so it's their turn. God you succeeded it. at it. You succeeded at making a movie that is just fun. That is just, a, what, yes. but it's fun. But it's also there is a darkness to it. There really yes. is a darkness to it, which I think, and I was so struck by what you just said about not being one thing, because I felt that in my career, just going from stand up to writing to journalism and realizing I just like talking to people. And that's really what yes. all I, that's all I do well is talk to people. <laughs> and so, so it's sort of that like ebb and flow of figuring out who you are as a creative. And, yes. and I love that this movie kind of came from that idea of, well, if this is my swan song for Hollywood, this is the thing I want yes. to do, you know? Yes. Because if you, if you think about your career, if you knew it was all going away in six months and you had to do one podcast or one story to sum it up, mm -hmm. you're going to go, that is probably going to alienate some of these bases of and that's probably, but some are going to really like it. And then you go, but deep down there's a selfishness to this business. Yeah. And the selfishness is if you as the creator don't love it, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. And that's as I've gotten older and the pandemic really hit where I thought like the old cool Johnny Depp quote of like one for them, one for me, right? <laughs> yeah. We're like, you do yeah. one for the studio and yeah. then you get to make your cool black and white movie, man. Yeah. That idea is insane in 2023. Yeah, all happen. for you, all for you. Yeah. And hopefully there's an audience that likes what you do. Yeah. And so that was my kind of big wake up call where I was literally working on a movie that I wanted to make with Joe Swanberg that was more of like a love story, a little bit will they, won't they. I thought I knew we could make it for inexpensive. We could sell it. Mm -hmm. It could do pretty well at a festival. Yeah. And then I thought, what am I doing, man? I just need to do this one if it's the last one. Yeah. I like a manic feeling. I like tone shifts. I like a movie that I can go on a ride if I smoke before. I want a moment at more moment 45 where I go, what the fuck? <laughs> if you if you keep picking deeper and deeper, yeah. you're right. You can pick it apart. God bless you. Yeah. But sit back and enjoy the ride. I'm really, when I was making it, a big goal was for people not to check their phones during it. Yeah. And so that was a big talk I had with Dan Romer about the score. Ryan Brown, the editor, we'd have a lot of talks of like, if a moment felt like it was 25 seconds too fat, trim it. Yeah. I wanted it right at 90 minutes. I write, want from the beginning, the score starts, things are driving. Mm -hmm. As soon as you feel like you know the story, just turn it a little bit. Just keep turning it yeah. so that people kind of go, all right, what? It kind of reminded me in a way of, I mean, social issues aside, uh, mm -hmm. Annie Hall in that, 
the cut, the way Annie Hall was edited is that Annie Hall was manic and it was 90. It was a really short film and it was really tight and it was really all of those things. And I kind of had a similar vibe in terms of like, this is just sort of a weird vibe into someone's head and I'm kind of here for it. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. So I'm good. So your quote, then I'm just going to say out loud so that this could get, I will take it. (laughs) Self-reliance is Jake Johnson's Annie Hall. There you go. Thank you guys. Very much. <laughs> um, but it's honestly all jokes aside, it that is it. It is a glimpse inside a head, inside my head, inside a feeling, a tone. Yeah. And it felt to me when I wanted to make it like I wanted to make something that just felt like you were on a ride. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the ride is scary and sometimes it's funny. Like I think Biff Whiff's performance is James. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's one of the funniest performances that I've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's great. But what Biff does in this movie, even when we were editing him, uh, Ryan and I, I'm like, everything that comes out of this fucking dude's mouth is my wheelhouse of what I find funny. He yeah. improvises his ass off. Yeah. So he would have one line in a scene. And then all the stuff he does in this movie, he just said in the moment. Wow. And my only note to him as a director was, don't try to be funny. Don't think of the audience. Just live in this moment as if it is totally real. Mm-hmm. And so like during the intervention with him eating the chips, yeah. that wasn't a, a note we pitched to. Him. Mm-hmm. When if you see in the background of that scene a lot while I'm talking to the family and they're like, I don't know if it's a drug problem or what. He starts laughing. Yeah. Well, afterwards, when I think people at Video Village were like, so behind you, Biff is laughing. <laughs> And I was like, why are you laughing at me? I think he said something like, it's funny, man. (laughs) (laughs) You are totally spot on. Listen to no one. Yeah. Just keep existing in the time zone you're in because you're just perfect. Isn't that great about, I mean, that's what I love. That's one of the things I love about living in LA. I spent a long time in New York and I love LA in that like, People are weird. You don't want to have brunch with them, but you just want to watch them. You (laughs) know what I mean? (laughs) You just just want to watch. We get LA gets beat up a lot. And one of the things that gets beat up, I love LA, is that it gets beat up where it's like, there's no culture. The old world was people said it's just Beverly Hills. And now they say it's just like a homeless community. Yeah. And I'm like, it's always been both. Yeah, it has. It's a really wild mix of human beings together, Mm -hmm. all doing very strange stuff. And it's great for creatives because we're inspired by the crazy. I I love it. Everything about it. I I love it. But to me, this is very much an East L.A. movie. It is. So, like, we shot all throughout Highland Park. Mm -hmm. All the houses were in Altadena. The feeling of being chased, the, you know, the idea that, like, he makes friends with a homeless guy and then he's just in it. That to me feels like L.A. in the last 10 years. It's like oh, you're totally. just, we are just living amongst people who are without homes in a way that it's not other than we're just all here on the same block. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted to know what impact do you think reality television has or reality in general has had on sort of narrative creative fiction, basically? Like mm. what impact has that had yeah. on the business in a way? So, so I think there are certain filmmakers where it's had none. And I know the ones who are still winning big awards and, you know, that Apple's most likely very excited about, it feels like it's had none. Yeah. When the movies are three hours long, when they're really beautiful sequences shot on a gorgeous camera Mm -hmm. and each a shot, there's no edits in three and a half minutes. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous filmmaking. Mm -hmm. 
and it looks like the 70s on steroids and you just think like wow they really nailed it yeah that is reality tv has not influenced what they're doing at all um it has influenced me yeah so when things get cuttier and faster and stories turn quicker and characters are more manic and the story is at the pace of reality uh tv that is then i think it's been affected and i am part of the group and i didn't i pretended for years i wasn't cuz it's so much cooler not to be affected by reality tv yeah and it's so much cooler to be like if you need me i'll be in new york at a goddamn play <laughs> Because that's the real me, because I'm seasoned and I'm sophisticated. Yeah. I'm not some trash bag who's in his 40s watching MTV. <laughs> because unfortunately, I am some trash bag watching. <laughs> and I don't want to be. I want to yeah. be like, if you need me, motherfucker, I'll be reading Shakespeare because I understand it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm like, what do you? What are your biggest inspirations for this movie? And I'm like, well, it's about 11 gay people in a home, <laughs> but one of them is straight. <laughs> oh, and Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Bullshit. I was telling, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> I was telling a friend last night. I was like, you know, I've had this book on my on my little TV sort of stand that I have by the couch, and I've been wanting to read it for a long time. But there's just been so much good housewives yeah. to watch that I. <laughs> I just, so it's, it's become a coaster. It has literally, there's rings on it now. <laughs> I've, got a John Irving, I've got a John Irving book right next to my bed. Mm-hmm. I read A Prayer for Ode many years ago and I loved it and it really inspired me. Mm-hmm. And I do think kids are in bed, the wife's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> this is time for me to read. <laughs> Never. Never. I'm on page four. <laughs> well, my mom always said, Keep a smart book by your bed so that if you die, they think you were smart. <laughs> yes, so, she's dead right. So. The only way I'm going to read that is if the cast from some reality show performs it and they get it done in 20 minutes. <laughs> and one of them is drunk and one of them is abusive. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Probably spend time in jail. Because yes. yeah, I'll tell you what, if you if somebody in that cast is not abusive to the others, boring. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? It's, it's the worst. <laughs> well, this has become the worst interview I, from a filmmaker. <laughs> the film, I'm like, oh God, listening to myself, I'm like, why would I watch this guy's trash? I'll I, just go on E. <laughs> I have a feeling people are going to watch the movie because they're listening to this now. They're like, I don't know yeah. what this dude made and I don't know how he finished it, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to ask you about the podcast too. Yes. Uh, we're here to help podcast. I was talking to a friend last night who was going through a hard time and he would, yes. he called me for advice and I told him the last person you ever want to ask for advice is from a comic um, like yeah. any sort of a life advice because yes. we're not good at life. Um, we're good at making fun of it, but we're not good at living it. Uh, right. So do you think you're qualified to give advice? No, no. <laughs> and- here's, here's the premise of the uh, show for real. So. For years, uh, the funniest people to me have been randoms on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like friends of mine, Damon Wayne's Jr., for example, who's one of the funniest dudes I know. He and I text still every day since we did Let's Be Cops, and we're always texting bits. It used to be we would film videos of ourselves being funny, yeah. and now we just literally grab a clip of somebody doing a bit, yeah. and we send to each other. And so the premise of this is we're trying to find, and we have, like, we I think we're on episode 40, mm-hmm. is it's people in the world who have really funny, real situations to them. 
So it has that sense of reality TV. We screen before to make sure they're not trying to be funny. Yeah. We're not looking for the caller in there to like do their jokes. The problem has to be real to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, a few of them were like one we just did was uh, a woman's husband who she loves. But he was raised in a family where they all floss in the living room. And so they do, and she's disgusted by it. But when she brings it up to him, for him, he's been doing that his whole life. That's what you do while you watch TV. So what do we do now? And so that level of problem, what we're qualified for and what the premise is, is if you go to a bar with your friends and you sit down and you go, hey, guys, I'm in a weird situation. The pitches they might give might not be it, but they might lead you to something. And so that's the gag of it. We are not fake therapists. We're not going deep on people's feelings. We're not saying like, did your dad ever? No, pass. (laughs) We are in a bar. We're trying to help. We're seeing what we can. We hope the help is funny because that's what you want for your friends. Yeah. Uh, And that's been kind of the gag. But the comedic engine for me are the callers. Well, what has been the problem what has been a standout problem for you uh, that you've heard on the podcast so far well so there's been like a lot of like really like silly fun ones that are great there was one where lamorne morris was a guest and the woman was house sitting for a week she was a therapist when she was talking i judged her as like kind of like a square woman from the midwest you know she was like a therapist in her 30s really soft-spoken and then she said and so, you know, I did what I, what people normally do when they house it. And, you know, I just masturbated like crazy. And she goes in and she goes, I have roommates. So it was really nice to like, you know, just go crazy in the living room. And she was like, and, you know, I was watching all my videos and we get to ask because we get to say like, what kind of videos do you like? And she's like, well, I'm really into like control based stuff and power dynamics. And I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, in what world am I hearing this? And then it's she always goes, the quiet ones. I got to tell you what I've realized in this show. Everybody's wild. Yeah. Everybody's wild. Mm -hmm. People have called in about one woman just called in recently and she said that uh, she and her husband, and it's not all sex stuff, but she said she and her husband like uh, butt play Mm -hmm. and he, and they both like when she goes down on his butt. Okay. But now that they've been married a little bit, the hairiness is becoming a problem. How does she bring it up? without hurting his feelings <laughs> and she's dead serious so we're not allowed to say to her whatever we have to pitch as the premise as we are your friends yeah so you've got some like that you also have one that i'm really excited about we'll have like some sweet ones mm-hmm. like a woman uh wanted to a 25 year old woman got pregnant by her boyfriend and didn't know how to tell him oh wow so we said like huh Let's have him on, but let's make it a surprise. So she told You're him. You're pulling a Maury. We're doing a, every tone we get to try. So he came on and he goes like, what is this? And he goes, she told me that uh, it was some like a makeup tutorial. And then we do it on the thing. So tonally, whatever the call is, that's the zone we go into. If they're crazy fun swingers, we're doing that. If it's sincere, we did one about a... A dad who's too possess- too controlling over Christmas cards and the adult kids don't know what to do. So then we get involved in the family and we do follow-ups and we bring other members on. Mm-hmm. So it's been insanely fun. That's amazing. That's yeah, so fun. Kind of like shot like more fun than I expected. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been one of those things where I'm like, when you said it earlier, I hope this continues. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
right now we've had a really nice audience come. Even if they didn't, I'll still do this. Yeah. This will be one of the... That's how you know you're having a good time. Yes. They did this thing. I saw this great podcast or listened to this great podcast about in New York. There was a guy, and I don't know if you remember this or heard about it, but he used to put uh, phone numbers up around New York back in the 90s. Oh, I don't know. And you would just call in and leave a message where you would confess something. Wow. And you would just like confess something you did, and then he would like play it back. Incredible. I'm I'm wishing I remember the name because it was great. But, you know, it's people who like committed a murder. Yeah. Somebody who like stole somebody who's like, you know, robs people who's like, I'm not a bad person, but I've done this. And the one person I robbed recently, like I hit them. And I thought like, if I was doing that, I could do it forever. You hope an audience likes it, but it's just fun. That's what the podcast is. I talked about that at dinner last night. We had a very in-depth conversation about if we have, if we ever think we've actually met someone who murdered someone before. And we, we all came to the conclusion that we probably have. Like the likelihood. Think, yeah. being, oh, you mean just in passing? In passing, yeah. Do you yeah. think, I mean, do you think you meant, I probably have, maybe. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, that's a weird thing to think about. I would say, uh, yes, 100%. Especially with people, you know, with wars. Yes. And with yes. people you meet, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, what's really crazy is you meet, so like the amount of people you've met who are actually probably terrible humans. Yeah. But they've made it seem like you're like, nice guy. And you're like, well, if you watch the movie of that character, that is not a nice guy who you like enjoyed having a drink with. Yeah. Yeah. That person's a monster. <laughs> you're describing my father. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> hence the countless podcasts we both yes. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my last question for you is, yes. and this is I'm, I'm a huge fan of Minx. <laughs> I think Minx is a great, oh, is, thanks, is a great man. show. But the one thing this is primarily probably coming from the 12 gay dudes in the reality show house that are that yes, would, please, would watch please. the one straight dude you lost in the house <laughs> is when are you going to do the nude scene on Minx? That is what everyone never, wants to know. Never, everyone never. Wants to know. Well, there was one thing I got. So what's funny about that show and what shows how truly brain dead I am as a human is the last thing I thought about when I took that job was the nudity of it. And I know that seems basic, but I just thought Doug was a great character. And I thought a workplace comedy about people doing a startup business Mm -hmm. that is female erotica and porn and a guy who sees that there is a market that hasn't been tapped into, and that is we show all these boobs and these vaginas. What if we show a nice big hog? We'll make a lot of money. And that guy being straight, I'm like, I love Doug because he's right. It's capitalism. Mm -hmm. And then when the show went and for me, the pilot, the the dick montage, I thought was brilliant. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so great. It was really fun seeing all those extras uh, walking around, (laughs) getting ready. And you could see guys and like they'd have their robes on. I'd be like, I think Ponytail might be packing heat. (laughs) He's a little guy, but look at his confidence. Again, (laughs) it's the little ones. It's the quiet ones. You never know. You don't see him coming. (laughs) You never know. But then I, after that show came out, the amount of press about nudity Mm -hmm. and dicks, and then season two, I got a promotional thing where they wanted me to recreate the Burt Reynolds thing. Oh, wow. And I thought, y'all got the wrong motherfucker. This isn't my gag at all. <laughs> and then I went, you know, like if you're if you're in a relationship and it goes bad and you're in another relationship and it goes bad mm-hmm. and eventually you go like, I think it's me. Yeah. 
I was like, I think I'm the problem. I think I'm not realizing what I'm doing. You're the Taylor Swift song. <laughs> I'm the Taylor Swift song. Yeah. But, but quickly, I want to say about self-reliance because I don't yes. want to discredit with my talk the work of our DP, Adam Silver, the work of our production designer, uh, Grace Alley, and everyone else. We did make a beautiful movie. Yeah. So did. when I playfully kind of shit talk the idea of it, that being reality TV trash, I'm just talking trash on me because the the work of it, what blew me away about it and what I had, I, I love the movie is it's gorgeous and it feels like a movie and it does feel like a 70s film at times. Yeah. But it's got that manic new age energy. Mm -hmm. So I needed to work with a great crew so that we did have all that and it did look great and adam pushed to do anamorphic and helped me pick the lenses because that's yeah. not where my brain's at and so i did have people who would sit down and go like you know our, our wardrobe would say like i i gotta tell you i think this outfit's better and i'd go why and they go because you have terrible style <laughs> and i think it matters and i would yeah. go like all right then i defer to you yeah and, and that's like, what a great director does yes but like you look around and you're like, oh, this truly is a collaboration mm -hmm. of so much goddamn talent. Yeah. And as we're doing press, I'm realizing like, well, I'm doing the press and it's me, me, me. But that's really not what movies are. No. And I'm like, so whatever my push is, the gag is, I like the reality TV pitch. I like the manic energy. I like saying to the Academy Awards, which again, thank you guys for the honors, but we're pulling ourselves out. But the truth is the department heads of this movie do deserve all that stuff. They absolutely crushed it. And you, when you watch the movie, even if you're stoned off your ass and you're not a movie person, you're a reality person, you're going to see some beauty in a great way. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Jake, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a blast, man. I really enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything. And seriously, do let me know because this was a weird one and I really had a lot of fun with it. So I would love to hear from you. And leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode. And if you're listening on Spotify, there's a cool feature there where you can actually like comment on the specific episode, which I think is really fun. And I've been looking at that. So go on and leave a comment on Spotify as well. And for the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And remember to subscribe to my newsletter for the culture. It's a lot of fun and it comes out twice a week. So you get two doses of me each week, which is, I mean, I'm fun. <laughs> Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. Hold up. 